Draft's podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite esports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am a free agent, head coach, and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to another edition of the Guess the Lines podcast presented by Slingshot. We are at the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen. It is the quarterfinals. The intensity cannot be matched by anything that happens in the regular season. It's so exciting to finally see the best six teams duke it out and we're gonna actually start with north america before we start with europe because despite the fact that the h2k ceo held an ama yesterday we still don't know what the hell is going on with the ad carry position for h2k so we're gonna wait and see if we can get any more news about it but we don't need to wait for any news for north america so since they're playing at the same time we're starting there we're flipping the script hopefully that'll be okay with you listeners at home but I'm really excited to break down all of this North America action. I can't think of anyone I'd rather break it down with than my good friend and fellow contributor for Slingshot, Walter Ciedis Fedchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? Chase, do we really have the six best teams from North America competing in this tournament? Well, let's start there. Do, do I, we really? I mean, on the one hand, Apex had a very good week to close out the season. They ended up with the same record as Envious, and they have a higher win percentage. In Korea, they would be the ones in the playoffs. In any league that does best of threes in esports, they would be in the playoffs. But for whatever reason, Riot decides that head-to-head is a decider of who gets through, even in a best of three format, which makes no sense and is stupid. However... Apex Gaming is a team that did really well at the start and really well in the last week and was consistently bad for six weeks in between. Any given point of time in those six weeks, they could have won a match and they'd be fine. And they didn't do it. And a team that struggles that much, I don't think either of these teams should be in the playoffs, really. But I I don't think that... Apex proved. Oh, oh so we agree. Phoenix team. One deserves the spot. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, Phoenix One is better than either of these teams. I mean, Phoenix One went five and four in their last nine series, and that's when they finally had their roster. If that roster had been around since the beginning of the season, you can bet that neither Envious nor Apex would even have been well, in this well, discussion. Timeout. 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 Because we said that about another team last split that was almost like kind of in the same position that Phoenix One was. So I don't want it to sound like it. it it's kind of echoey, these similarities between those two teams. 
Except one of those teams had to play in the relegation tournament. Yeah, and, and best of ones are very weird in terms of, you know, there's not a real sample size there. The difference in why I feel much more confident with Phoenix One is we saw them in best of threes. They grabbed a map off of Immortals. They were grabbing maps off of good teams, even in losses. And they were beating teams that you would expect a playoff caliber team to beat. And in a best of three format, you don't do that accidentally. Oh, Jungle Mordekaiser. Yeah, that was my beating heart, the the epic cheese. That was beautiful in its own way. But we're not talking about any of those teams. We're talking about Envious. And as the resident Envious fan, I'm going to try to defend them for their series against Cloud9 that is going to start these playoffs. I'm not going to – I don't want to start there because it's not a particularly strong argument. So let's start with the, the cons, Walter. You said they don't even deserve to be here. Why don't they deserve to be here? What is it about this team that turns you off that hard? Because they lost their identity and they haven't been able to get it back. I believe that their solo lanes are not strong enough to deal with the remaining solo, like the, the remaining teams they have to play against solo lanes 1v1 um, in the laning phase. I think they're going to be losing CS leads. They're going to be losing 1v1 duels. Um and when Seraph cannot get out of laning phase in a decent position where he can make plays, his shot calling ability, his shot calling ability is almost, it almost is hinged directly to how large is his gold lead. And the closer he is to his, to his enemy laner, the, the, be, you know, the better the shot calling is, or if he has a lead, the better his shot calling is. But when he falls behind, and he can just get instantly blown up when he tries to make a, a play. Uh, Envious really, really struggle. And Proxen's champion pool, which is really weird considering Rek'Sai is like the premier jungler right now. It's like a tier tier one jungler. His jungle just champion pool does not fit this current meta. The Graves is just... I don't think Graves is a good jungler anymore. Kindred is definitely not a very good jungler anymore. And he just hasn't been able to really adapt to playing Hecarim, playing the Rek'Sai, continuing to play Elise. Like, it's just very weird that he hasn't been able to transition where a ton of other junglers have been able to successfully. Um, and that three-man core has just re- really been disappointing the last half of the split. And that was in the preseason what we said they needed to, to have to be successful. And right now it's just not there. Lot is doing great. I'm so happy for Lott. He's finally really making a mark. He's going to make it into his first LCS playoffs. And, and I'm kind of over the moon watching a North, a true North American talent actually make it through, make it you know from Challenger into the LCS on a team and be as successful as he has. Um, he's still not good enough to match up with the roster of amazing 80 carries that are left. Um, but he's definitely made his mark this split. Yeah, I'll put it this way. As someone who accidentally became a fan of this team, I realized very quickly that this is essentially Rocket all over again. It is a team that has a couple players that you're really not happy with right now. Uh, Ninja has been underwhelming, to say the least. Seraph has really struggled in recent weeks. You have an AD carry that's desperately trying to get the rest of his team on his back. Lod with a 4.8 KDA, 74.6% kill participation, 
huge in terms of you know percentage of the damage for his team. I, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to amount to much. But if you were going to paint a path to victory, it would have to be the way that they started the season so strongly. And it comes down to controlling the enemy jungle, letting Proxen be a menace to whoever he's going up against. And, and media, you know, I'll say this, Cloud9 has not been great at controlling their own jungle. They only had a 49.8% of jungle share. Some of that's because Meteos is ganking all the time, so he's not particularly known for being a heavy farmer, but certainly Cloud9 might leave openings in that regard. And if you look at the wards placed, they're not particularly a top-tier team in that either. So there are holes for Envious. Now, unfortunately, what I just said about jungle share, Envious is worse. And what I said about wards placed, Envious is worse. And what I could say about basically any stat that you can name about Cloud9 that you would want to be relevant to this whole plan coming together, Envious is worse. And that's why it's so hard for even me as a fan to come up with, and this is how we somehow beat Cloud9. Because the pieces just aren't there. They don't play as a team. They don't play with any sort of precision. They don't play with any sort of objective control the way that they used to. And that was how they won games is they'd grab all the dragons and they'd grab, you know, all the barons and they'd choke you out slowly, but surely. And cloud nine is just doing that better right now. And if your best case scenario is not even going to be better than the team that you're going up against, what do you have? So, what, what's going to shift the mark here? It's so, not going to be Lod carrying against Sneaky. So, so here's the difference. I think that Envious is more attuned to making a shift in style than than Cloud Nine is. I think that Pro- Proxen has shown that he can be a hyper aggressive, you know, jungler, really getting into the enemy's face and whatnot, like he did on TIP for you know the majority of the split last split. Some of it I just think is champion pool that he. He's not confident in his champion pool, whatever. But he played Rek'Sai last split. He was fairly aggressive with it, fairly aggressive with his ganks. Cloud9 is is essentially four herbivores to me. And I'm only bringing this up because I saw that Cloud Templar did an interview and was talking about herbivore junglers, and that's the only reason the word's stuck in my head. But Meteos mm-hmm. is very farm farm heavy with, with gank, and he's been prioritized ganking because... Sneaky is very farm heavy in the laning phase. He's not very aggressive. Smoothie isn't doing anything to help that issue. It's just how Sneaky likes to play. He is the opposite of Wild Turtle or Forgiven or Double Lift. He just wants to sit there and get his farm and get to the late game. Totally fine with it. Impact is a super, let me just sit back and farm and stop any split push for all time. And Jensen's really the only Viper. He's the only guy that is going to lash out in laning phase. He's the only guy that's really going to try and get aggressive and try to make any 1v1 plays. But still, you see a lot of this this leash holding him back of, okay, but that's not how the team plays. The team is this very team-oriented, objective control. Let's just kind of scale into the late game and get into these massive team fighting compositions. And I think that Envious could exploit that if Proxen remembers what he was like in the spring on Team Impulse. If he remembers what it was like being this really aggressive in your phase, constantly invading, constantly stealing camp style jungler and try to strangle out Meteos and then use that advantage 
to go to Seraph. This series is going to be won on the back of can Seraph outplay Impact? Can he get kills? Can he get ahead of Impact? Because Impact, even when he's behind, can have a massive impact ha, 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 on the game. <laughs> you can put him on Shed. He's totally fine. He has great teleports. He's just a big meat shield that's just going to soak up CC, soak up cooldowns, etc., etc. But Seraph really needs to have a good laning phase so his shot calling can actually impact the game. So that, to me, is 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 the big thing right there. Can Proxen get super aggressive Take Medios out of the picture in terms of equal levels. Get him, you know, kind of weakened. And then can they use that advantage to get Seraph an advantage so Seraph can actually shot call this team? I, I don't think it happens, but that's your path to victory right there. Well, and here's why I am going to have to disagree with you on this. is because Medios, in my opinion, he might have started the split as a farm-heavy jungler, but as the meta has shifted... Jensen has become a lot more comfortable with the champions that are around in this particular meta as far as being willing to make more plays in the early game. Medios has been ganking the mid lane much more often than he used to. And Impact, just given the nature of what champions are played in the top lane, he can't sit back and farm the way that he used to. And the stats bear that out. Impact has been much more aggressive as far as CS differential in lane. He went from being negative to most of the season at 10 minutes to now being even. Uh, he's heavily stepped up in terms of uh, his damage and, wh and what he's offering to the team to that extent. And Medios has been willing to take a hit on CS differential and gold differential from where it was at the beginning of the split to get him and Jensen going. What that tells me is that Cloud9 is adjusting to this meta. Cloud9 feels comfortable with where things are right now. And the problem is, whichever one of those 2v2s that Cloud9 does force, and I do believe that Meteos will be ganking enough to force one of those 2v2s, I don't see Envious winning it. I don't see Seraph comfortable in this particular meta. And I think that's the reason why the shot calling has fallen off. Because he's having to focus so much on keeping himself together that he's not keeping the rest of the team together. And Ninja has just shown that his positioning is just off. His laning phase is weak. His team fighting is just not there. I don't know what Ninja's offering this team anymore. And it's really unfortunate to say that because I was one of the biggest proponents of this guy being a potential star player. And he isn't that guy. And I think we know now at this point in his career, he's probably not going to be that guy. So it's just hard for me to see it that way, especially when we look at the positives of Cloud9, which is where we need to go next. They are the three seed for a reason. They didn't have the best last week of the split, but they did take that 2-0 over Team Liquid, which was the one series they really needed to win. How do you feel about Cloud9 heading into these playoffs? Where do you stand on them as far as their power level? They they stand at where they've stood like the entire split. They're the third best team in North America. And the end of the season kind of solidified for that for them with you know CLG and, and Liquid having a, a couple hiccups there against Apex to end the split. They're in a great position. They don't need to win. You know, They're in a position where I think they could challenge Immortals and TSM in a five-game series. Um, I don't think they're going to be like 3-0s or anything. But at the same time, I feel like TSM and Immortals are just 
better than Cloud9 on paper. Immortals is way more aggressive. They're way more skirmish heavy, and that's definitely some place that Cloud9 has a weakness because of how passive they are during their laning phase and the fact that they're willing to concede objectives early on. And I, I swear to God, if you gave Rain over an opportunity to take a dragon at 30 seconds into the game, he would take <laughs> it. If he saw an opportunity to take a dragon that early, and I'm going to flash back and I'm going to I'm going to compare that him to a moment and people are going to groan and go, oh, my God, Walter, I can't believe you would even insult rain over in such a way. But there was a game towards the end of Velocity's, you know, quick, quick split in the LCS where they had nothing to play for. They were the worst team. And they played Fiddlesticks Zyra. They played a Zyra bot lane in a Fiddlesticks jungle. Now, folks, Fiddlesticks is a champion that looks like a scarecrow. And he has one ability where he drains health from the enemy and gains health back from it. It's sort of like lifesteal, but an ability. It's really cool. And it's tethered. So it's awesome. And Zyra, you guys all know, the little plant thing. So what they did is... They took Dragon at like two minutes, like on spawn, because they gave Zyra blue buff, got her level two, used her plants and Fiddlesticks Drain to take Dragon at like level two. And this was back when Dragon gave gold. It was actually a good objective. Rainover would Whoa. do that. If he Whoa. saw two minutes, he could take Dragon. That's what I'm getting at. Um, I, have a, I have a couple things. First of all, thank you for explaining Fiddlesticks. Uh, <laughs> A brand new champion to the game, someone that clearly needs uh, a huge introduction in order to get everyone on the same page. We really, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that. Uh, second of all, I, I just, I can't believe we're talking about velocity <laughs> in this podcast. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around how, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the idea that Raidover is, is super objective heavy. I will disagree with you on the idea that dragons are not good objectives anymore. I think Riot's done a much better job of balancing those since oh, I was the original memeing. iteration. Okay. Of I, was, I was totally uh, memeing because we're talking about Cloud9, like meme lords. They, Come on. Yeah, that's true. They are, they are the lords of the meme, and I think they're going to be the lords of this game. Because at the end of the day, do I think they're going to hang with immortals? Probably not, unless we see something absolutely insane this week. And given that we already think Cloud9 are going to be pretty heavy favorites in this matchup, I don't know what we need to see to change our mind on it. I think that Immortals is certainly going to be the better team, and that would be the semifinal matchup because Cloud9 is the three seed. So they would immediately be seeded against Immortals because Immortals are the two seed. But at the same time, that's more than enough for what Envious is offering because Cloud9, for all of their faults, plays like a team. They know how to team fight very well. They know how to play around you know, mid to late game objectives. They might not always take the first one, as you said. They're not always aggressive in that way, but we have noticed a shift in attempting to be more aggressive when they've done well, and if Cloud9 has been smart and they've taken these two weeks to look back at the tape, they're going to realize that the games in which they fed Meteos resources and put that team ahead on his back and took those 2v2s were the days in which they were the best version of themselves. When they were willing to take those fights early instead of just seceding some of these objectives was when they looked the most cohesive because it put people like Impact and Jensen and a place where they could carry team fights much earlier in the game. And I think that Cloud9, with the organization that they have, are smart enough to have seen that and have a team in Envious that they can punish 
in a way that they're not going to be able to punish immortals, that's just going to make this a really devastating game for envious fans like myself. I'm not looking forward to watching this. I don't know who would be other than just straight up uh, schadenfreude-tastic fans of League of Legends who just love seeing a team get 3-0 crushed. Does Envious take a map, Walter? Not Before if you we keep get calling there. yourself an Envious fan. You need to stop doing that, my friend. You need to stop claiming allegiance <laughs> to any team. You just need, you know, you just need some time to yourself, I think. I think you just need to be kind of like esports single for a while and hey, just not root for any teams. Rocket just... made their way in, man. They they took it to Shulk. They almost blew it to Millennium in a series that Walter can tell you. Uh, and my the live tweeting account that we have uh, at Rough Drafts Pod can tell you, I lost my mind at the Sona lock-in. <laughs> I think that was the moment in which I almost just gave up on esports in general. It's when life and said, became "What's real. even the point anymore?" Oh, I'm sorry. That's when life became real. It's it's when life became so real that I just I I it almost went too far around where I'm like, this is, this is the, this is so painful that I can't possibly be seeing it in reality. It's like, how do you not know the hot fix happened? Cause that's clearly what it was is they like, right when it came out, they clearly tested it. It was broken. Riot hot fixed it. They forgot. And then somehow they blew that game. Because there's, I refuse to believe, I absolutely refuse to believe that they remembered the hot patch and did it anyway. I refuse. I, it's an entirely other rant. But my point is, I don't curse teams to death. Envious is still in the playoffs right now. If I haven't cursed him yet, I don't think this is the time where it's going to pop up. I don't think they need to be cursed for this to be a 3 out of Cloud9. I just think there's... There isn't a single place in which Envious is a better team right now. And the way that they ended their split gives me no reason to believe that they will be any better at it than they have been. So that leads us, Walter, to the line. Where do you think Unicorn put this line? Oh, man. Cloud9 minus 333. Ah, you went too low. You went too low. I said Cloud9 minus 400. It is Cloud9 minus 500, ladies and gentlemen. No respect, no faith, entirely fair line. Would you take Envious at plus 340? No, not not as a real bet. Not as a, like, I'm acting, like, at, at, at some point when you're a gambler, you throw five bucks on things because you're like, eh. What else was I gonna do with that five bucks? Uh, you know, literally anything else. Hey, hey, that five hey. bucks could buy you a skin for your prized fiddlesticks, Walter. That's something I that mean. Is you true. could bring them back. That, that is that would... true. I'm personally waiting for Project Fiddlesticks. Oh man, that's I... what I'm waiting for. Riot free. We say free money on the podcast. You want free money from me? You want to take my gambling winnings? Project Fiddlesticks. I think that'd be a great idea. Don't worry. They'll get to the rework that allows them to get new skins after Rise's rebuilt a couple more times. It'll be fine. Uh, I will say this, Walter. We look at smart money value on this podcast. Cloud9 with a minus 2.5 handicap. So Cloud9 taking the 3-0 is plus 180. There's definitely some value there. 
I think that's I think that's the way we have to go. Um, that's the only line in which you can get a a positive, unless you want to go for gimmicky things like first tower, first dragon, first baron, which I hate those bets because all you need for something like a first tower to go wrong is a lane swap to happen. Mm-hmm. I just I stay away from these kinds of things. They're yeah. fun to do if you've you know you got unicorns to spare, but certainly it's not the way I want to handle it. Um, the only other positive would be envious at plus one and a half handicap. So if you think that they're going to get it to a three two, which I don't think is going to happen, I, there, or if you think a, we're going to get to five maps, there's there's a chance envious win one game, but I don't I don't think they win two. You, <laughs> The only way they win too is if somehow they tilt impact off the planet and Seraph is just able to like massively, massively outplay them, or they just get a really, really good matchup for Seraph. So like they get Nar into Maokai. Like if Impact picks Maokai, yeah, then maybe that happens. But I, I just don't believe that Cloud9 are that stupid. They are. Or at the very least, they're not that they would do it twice. So, yeah. so. sorry, Envious. Uh I think the minus two and a half is the smart money bet we're gonna take. Yep. Um that's just value there. Uh, by the way, last week, in case people are curious, uh, Phoenix won over Envious. That went our way. Uh, Liquid over Cloud9 totally did not. Uh, and our six-team teaser, <laughs> you too, Apex. That's all I have to say about that. Like, <laughs> not only did you kill our teaser twice, which, I mean, once would have been enough, but you killed it twice. And you still didn't make it into the playoffs. I, I mean, you, you've got to be feeling pretty badly. But think about how us gamblers feel. You ruined our weekend too, and for nothing. You know, come on now. As as, as the piece of cinema, as the glorious piece of cinema that is Zombieland tells us, you got to enjoy the little things in life. And you know, for 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 non-playoff LCS teams, it's just ruining teasers for us. Yeah, that that's fair. Teasers. So let's get back to some playoff teams because this is the interesting match of the week. Team Liquid versus CLG. Neither one of these teams had a great closing week. And I think both of them had flaws that were exposed here. Let's start with Team Liquid because they are the five seed. What is going wrong with the version of Team Liquid that we're seeing right now? I... I feel like part of Lore I feel like it's partially Lorlo's fault. I feel like Lorlo is not winning lane and he's not it, part of it is the champions they pick for him. But mm-hmm. part of it's just that he's not either winning his matchups or he's not put in a position where he can at least hold and play even against them. We're talking about, you know, picking a melee, you know, melee champions into Nar, like things like that. Really kind of dumb pick and ban things that Loco Doco has shown at times when metas shift, he can get a little, a little like wishy-washy and not quite know which direction he wants to go with things. Um, but I think that's, that's primarily the reason has been the, the side lanes has been Lorlo hasn't been able to hold up and the Fabby utility train is just not working as well as it was early on. It's starting, you know, teams are really starting to get on top of him, especially when you can outlane him, when you could really get huge leads against him. Um, I'll bring back up when TSM played Team Liquid the last time and Double Lift got a triple kill at like six minutes. And just from there, Fabi loses a lane. He can't do anything about that. It's not necessarily his fault. He gives up a, 
uh, uh, you know, they give up a triple kill, but Fabi is already losing lane. He's losing yeah. lane as it is. And when you think about the great 80 carries that are left, you think about the fact that Styx A is on CLG. You think about Sneaky. You think about even Lod. Like, these are guys... Fabi's the worst 80 carry out of this out of this core. Out of these six teams in the playoffs, Fabi is the worst 80 carry there. And yeah. Matt is Matt isn't an over aggressive laning support where he's gonna make up for that and he's gonna push the enemy, you know, dual lane off of farm. This is a guy, this is a very passive lane where Fabi is going is willing to give up CS. And it's not even like he's playing Draven and he's giving up CS so he can just harass you out of lane. It's He's playing Utility, he's playing Jinx, he's playing Ash, he's playing Sivir, and he's not being very effective at saying, okay, well, I'm going to give up this CS so I can harass you. It's, I'm not going to harass you because you could harass me, but I also have to give up this CS because you would harass me. So some yeah. of it just comes to his their lane control, uh, just period. And Dardock doesn't necessarily help. He doesn't like going to the bottom side. He's like he's like old school medios. He's like season three medios where he likes to live in the jung in the enemy jungle in the mid and in the top lane, and that's where his priorities are. And when he is not winning that, when they aren't winning that top lane with Lorlo, it's a waste of time. Like Dardock isn't being efficient with his time, so you can't have both top and bot lane losing laning phase. You need to yeah. pick one or the other where you're going to allow that to happen. And if you don't have Piglet anymore, sack the bot lane. He's just playing, you know, Sivir alt bot and Ash alt bot anyways. Like, sack it. You're using him as your primary initiation. Let him go. Focus on getting Lorlo ahead, especially when Darshan has been playing so poorly over the course of the entire split. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that Lorlo, at the very least, is going to stand a shot in this lane because Darshan has fallen off so heavily. And we'll talk about that when we talk about CLG in a second. But it is one of those things where you look at how Team Liquid is built right now. I understand there are rumors behind the scenes that Dardock and Piglet did not particularly get along. Piglet has notoriously been a hard person to work with. We saw that when he first arrived on the team and got himself suspended for a couple weeks. But man, do they miss having a world champion caliber AD carry on that team because it has put so much pressure on the rest of that team to succeed time and time again. And they're not holding up to that pressure. You know, they have weeks where it looks good, and that's where Matt's making plays with something like his Bard ults, which is still his best champion at this moment, where Dardock is really getting Phoenix ahead. Phoenix has been, in my opinion, the standout on this team, uh, a guy that I'm really sad to hear when they say things like, yeah, we don't see him as part of the long-term plan. Because I, I think he's a genuinely good player, and I hope he ends up somewhere either back in Korea or somewhere else in, in the LCS. But I, I think you hit it on the head when you said that Dardock does not like going to that bot lane. And the problem is other teams know that now. And we're seeing time and time again ganks to the bot lane, no response from Liquid or a response that is way too late from Liquid and just free kills, free kills, free kills. And it is very hard to win that way. It is very hard to come back from that kind of deficit when you're being attacked in a very specific way and you have no response to it. It's not like they're getting something else off the map. They're just putting their AD carry, a guy who already isn't particularly great at teamfight positioning and tends to be more of a utility cleanup guy, as you've pointed out, than a straight you know, 
dominant player. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. He has a 4.7 KDA. 73 kills to 67 deaths. It's all his assists. 240 of them. Which is good. Don't get me wrong. I like getting assists on a lot of positions. But my AD carry needs to start closing out some kills. It's like that scene in Glenn Gary against Glenn Ross. We need a closer here. We need someone who's going to close these fights. And right now, Phoenix is the only one that's doing it. And if Dardock isn't going to get Lorlo ahead, and they're just going to keep sacrificing the bot lane for no value, that's a huge issue in this series. I don't know how they can play that way. Now, the hope is that the team has gone back and looked at the film and seen how exploitable this one strategy has been, and they're going to stop it. And Dardock will spend more time on the bot lane, playing a little bit more defensively than he'd like, but making sure that they don't get caught out the way they have or at the very least increasing their vision, which Matt has been below average with right now, and that's the other reason they're getting caught out. And they trust Lorlo to put him on some carry champions because there are still plenty of carry champions that are in this meta. They don't have to keep putting him on the NAR. I promise you it'll be okay if you don't put him on something teamfight-oriented and let him be a threat in his own right. But that means trusting Loco Doco. Oh, oh, see, I think NAR is the best top leader right now. Sure, in, in a situation in which you have 80 carries who can follow up and take advantage of his perfect ults, and you have the team fighting potential. This team doesn't. I, I don't see them as a team that is able to make the most out of those opportunities. And we've seen time and again, there was a great moment in the Cloud9 game where Lorlo has a perfect gnarl, hits like three or four Cloud9 players near the Baron pit, and they lose the fight because there's no follow-up damage. And because because they didn't draft any other damage on their team. And that Gnarl did nothing for them. And it's like, okay, sure, you got Gnar. You have the team fighting. Congratulations. But you don't have a team that can fight well enough if you don't let Lorlo be a damage dealer in his own right. I don't think it's a bad champion. I think Gnar is a very good champion. I don't think it's right for this team the way that they're playing right now. Because I think if you're Dardock, you have to get the bot lane at the very least even. And that means making sure that that Lorlo can carry himself in the top lane. I don't see any way around that, especially against a team like CLG that has a playmaking support that would love to catch out Fabi in the laning phase, that would love to pick on Matt's positioning, which has taken a step back this split. Because that is the way that CLG looks good, is when Aphromoo is making those kinds of initiations. But as we saw last week, Walter, CLG isn't always looking good nowadays. Where's CLG going wrong right now? Man, Darshan. Darshan, Darshan, Darshan. How far has the Darshan god fallen? Um, yeah, I... I that's kind of where it comes down to me. Stixay, I don't think Stixay has gotten better. I don't think he's gotten worse. I think he's exactly the same that he was in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's decent. He's a decent AD carry. Um, Aphromu has definitely uh, improved coming in towards the end of the split. During the early season, he wasn't very good. Um, but now kind of transitioning to the, later on in the season, he seems to have found his groove as a playmaker. Xmithy is still Xmithy, and, uh, and and Huni is as unpredictable as ever, but this champion meta, this mid lane meta is really catching him in stride, and he's very, he's performing very, very well. 
um, especially with like Cassiopeia and you know some of these other control mages. I never want to see him on Victor or Azir again. Like and I don't think CLG wants to see him. He is, he is, Victor, he is so. better at the other control mages. Like I get that Victor is is probably the best right now out of all the control mages, but he's not mm-hmm. very good at it. And he's very inconsistent at it. I'll put it that way. Because he does have some games on Victor where he, he excels. Did but we forget that Malzahar exists? I, I'm yeah, sorry. I just I heard Malzahar. Put him on put him on safe stuff. No, no, I just heard the words Victor is the best mid laner and Malzahar is basically ban or lose at this point. I, I I'm gonna have to disagree I, with I you think, so strongly. I think Malzahar has some has some um more obvious counters and easier to get counters than uh, Victor does. Yeah, well, Victor's safe. He's the Oriana of the current meta. And Oriana is getting buffed. So Oriana is getting buffed for Worlds, folks. Let's, it's happening. All we need is the Triforce buff and we're on the Worlds patch. Like, (laughs) there are two things you can guarantee about Worlds every single year. Oriana is going to be played and there's going to be Triforce 80 carries. I'm just waiting for it. And you know every designer and every balanced team member at Riot is going, crap, we don't want to do this again. Crap, we don't want to do this again. Yeah, but Yomo's Ghostblade and Black Cleaver is really annoying to deal with. All right, just buff Triforce. Ah. You know they're, they're, they're trying to figure out a way not to do it, but they know that's the only way they can stop Yomo's. Other than making it melee, which would be absolutely stupid in all right yeah but we'll, we'll dig- do a balanced cast later on in, in, in <laughs> i our, digress uh, in our lives. Um, yeah but it, it's darshan darshan really needs to like step it up and this meta is shifting back towards where he was fairly successful in the spring um he just needs his confidence back he just needs to style on some kids and i think against lorlo he has a chance of doing that um just in the 1v1 just because team liquid is so willing to kind of give lorlo losing matchups and say okay go try and make it work so it'll be very interesting to see, but um, yeah, Darshan. Darshan's been CLG's biggest disappointment. I'll say this right now. If I'm CLG, I get Darshan to change his name back to Zion Spartan and see if the old name can give him a boost. Because why not? Maybe he just needs that nostalgia factor to return to form. It's, <laughs> it, it's like when Snoop Dogg became Snoop Lion for a little bit, and it really didn't work out very well. And then he went back to Snoop Dogg, and we're like, oh, yeah, Snoop Dogg. We're happy. You know, all right, all right, right. time out. You're talking about changing nicknames when Shaq just got relegated, and you go to Snoop Dogg. I am disappointed in you. Look. Disappointed I, in you. As great as the Kazam movie was, I'm not sure if that's the nickname that I care about with Shaq. Shaq is Shaq. I, he had nicknames, but it's not – we're going to have to do a nickname podcast later, okay? <laughs> Snoop Dogg was the one I went with. It works. I'm taking it. I'm going to lock it in. Final answer. You know, let's see how it goes. But honestly, you're absolutely right And and with Darshan right now. And the key to me is that it's not just that he's not doing as well in lane, which he's not. He does tend to win lane a little bit, but he used to win it very hard. But the problem with Darshan more than anything is that he doesn't initiate team fights anymore. And X Smithy has never been an amazing team fight initiator. He's a good gank initiator. He's a good supportive jungler. But whenever he's had to be an initiator for his team, we can go back to that Sejuaniel and you have everything you need to know about him as the team fight initiator. He's just not as reliable as other junglers would be. And I understand that he's a lot better than that as a player, but 
he just has a different role, and, and CLG have adjusted to that. But right now, Afermu is the only player that is making initiations for his team. And whenever they put him on a playmaking support, like a Bard, like a Braum, he can initiate those fights, he can make those moments. When they put him on something like a Karma, they look lost. Because he can't make those initiations. And when the rest of the team is looking to fend for themselves as far as crowd control goes, it just doesn't happen. The team's just not coordinated in that sense. And it's unfortunate to say, but, you know, I don't think Stixay's necessarily gone worse, but I think the things that made him work have gotten weaker around him. And that's the key here. And you know what? I'll give who he credit. He started out this split... With a really rough time, he has now become, in my opinion, an above-average mid laner in this current meta. If you look at the other mid laners in this tournament, he is, you know, he's the fifth guy. He's he is better than Ninja. I, that's not necessarily high praise, but he's also surrounded by a lot of really good mid laners in this tournament. But at the end of the day, this team has a very specific way that they need to draft if they're going to succeed. And this is why, Walter, at the end of the day, I'm going to posit that the difference maker in this series is going to be Zix versus Lokodoko. Because whichever one of them better understands both their own team's win condition and what the other team is trying to do is the one that I think takes the series. Because both of these teams have very obvious weaknesses. And, you know, with Dardoch, it, it should be get Lorlo on something that could go toe-to-toe with Darshan, make sure that Aphromu doesn't force some cheesy plays in the bot lane that send you behind, let that, you know, let that initiation exist on the rest of your team, you know, put Phoenix on something, maybe a Cassiopeia that can get that petrifying glare, something where the, you know, Fabi on the Ash for the arrow, just get enough initiation where you can catch one of these guys out and then you have the team fight. And on the other end, if you're CLG, you need to be gagging that bot lane. You need to be putting Aphromu on guys that can, you know, have an impact right away. And you need to put Darshan, you know, he's not going to solo carry. Don't put him on Jax. Don't put him on Aurelia. Put him on a team oriented champion right now. He's the guy that should be getting NAR from a strategic perspective. And at the end of the day, I trust Zix to do that more than I trust Liquid to do it. Because I just have more faith in Zix than I do in Lokodoko. What is the the breakdown for you, Walter? What's ultimately going to decide this in your head? I, I agree with you that the, the coaching is going to make a, a huge impact, especially when it comes to the top lane. Um, putting Lorlo in consistently losing situations is not an option if you actually want to win this series. Um, I think... To me, the biggest impact is is it's Dardoch. Dardoch is the superstar in this series. He is the best player on the Rift. Mm-hmm. And he, he smack talks it. And I think that the Apex and Cloud9, losing to both those teams, really hit him hard. I think the Apex one hit, hit him really hard. He yeah. was very disappointed on Twitter um, because he, he spoke. He, he spoke out. He was like, oh, yeah, we're going to crush Dardoch. You know, I, I think his words were like, F*** Apex or, or something. Whatever the Snapchat that ended up getting leaked out, I have to go back and look at the, the Apex manager's tweets to find it. But, yeah, he, he talked some smack and he got hit. 
He didn't he didn't live up to his smack talk. And that's been a couple of times this season where he's made some smack talk and he hasn't been able to live up to it. And and he's sick of it. And I think he's gonna come out and he's gonna prove that he is the best, you know, best jungler in North America and make a case for attempting to be the best North American player. Not best player in North America, because you're never gonna take that title from Double Lift or Bjergsen. But I think he really has this kind of unnerving feeling that like everybody's like rain overs this great jungler, rain overs this great jungler, and he's kind of left at the wayside. So I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be Dardock. I think he wants to make amends for last uh, last summer or last spring when they you know they took fourth, and uh, for CLG is can they break the Cloud Nine curse? Because that curse is pretty heavy. That is a heavy curse, and CLG have to break that curse in order to get into the semifinals. So that's what I think it comes down to: is Dardock and the and the, and the curse, curse essentially. Yeah. Uh, first, I know, of all, I know, I'm memeing, but like, no, it's it's totally fair. In sports, I, in sports, there is something to be said for the Cubs curse. There is there is a psychological awesome. component that fans do not like to acknowledge, and you know people who are Team Liquid fans get really mad when we talk about it. Uh, CLG fans were really mad until they won two championships, and now they are so happy to rub in our faces the whole idea that the mental game didn't matter anymore. But there is that aspect to everything that these guys do. They are not robots. They are players with emotions. And you're right. Dardock is going to have that kind of reaction. And by the way, I have the Snapchat in front of me. He's got the peace sign up to his lips and the phrase is Apex is free. Uh, No, it wasn't. And right now, (laughs) nothing for this team is free for you because you guys have to play in a much more coordinated style. But Either the, one of two things is going to happen. Either Dardock is going to take that loss and realize, okay, here's what I'm doing wrong for what my team needs. Because it's not his mechanics. Mechanically, he is still a top two, top three jungler. But as far as doing what the team needs for him to succeed, I think that he has a hard time. He has, he has a set in his head... This is how we win games. This is how I have always won games. This is the path to victory without acknowledging that the meta has changed, that his teammates have changed, and he might not be playing with Piglet anymore, and that seems like something he wanted. He wanted Fabi there. He seems happier with Fabi there. He wants to rebuild around these young guys. But guess what? The cost of having Fabi is that now you have to adjust and play around your bot lane, and Dardock's either going to have learned that lesson and be like, man, this sucks. I don't want to lose like that again. Or he's going to say, man, this sucks. I need to go out there and prove that I am the best individually. And I think that could be a death sentence for Liquid in its own right. And honestly, from what I hear in interviews with Dardock, I'm more inclined to believe it's going to be the latter. That he's going to try so hard to make plays, and he's going to forget that what this team needs is consistency so that they can win the team fights because they're a better team fighting team. And so much of CLG is punishable as long as you remove their initiation tool, which is right now Aframu or nothing. And I'm just not sure I trust Dardock to do it. 
And I hate saying that because I love the guy as, a, as an individual player, but as a team guy, he hasn't shown it yet. I hope he does. I hope Lokodoko proves me wrong on his drafting. I hope that CLG proves that they have more than one way to win the game and that Darshan starts looking like the Zion Spartan of old. Because right now, this looks like two teams that might be better than anything we're going to get from the rest of the LCS underneath them. But at the same time, do not make me feel great about the current state of the North American scene with the way that they have been playing. These are not strong teams right now. And one of them needs to emerge as a strong team, and they better do it quickly because TSM's on the docket next week unless Envious pulls out the miracle. So all of this into account, Walter. Where do you put the line? CLG was definitely turning it on towards the end of the split before the loss to Apex and the 2-1 uh, over Energy, which they lost the game to Energy, and Energy is now out of the LCS. That tells you something. So I have CLG as, as slight favorites. CLG minus 175. Okay, I take this one and with it the week because you went too high. I said CLG minus 150. It is CLG minus 130. That's even odds for Team Liquid, which is basically Unicorn's way of saying, how would you pick? Both of these are inherently flawed teams. CLG's been doing slightly better recently than Team Liquid. But these are both flawed teams, and I wouldn't trust either of them in a best of five with any sort of VIG. Completely reasonable. And says a lot more about the state of both of these teams than I think uh, anyone who's a North American fan who's so happy that they're stronger than EU right now wants to admit. Because guess what? These One of these two teams, CLG in particular, if they win this series, they're very likely to be going to Worlds. And I'm not sure you want to see CLG at Worlds. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't think that's the answer that North America is looking for. But... You know, I don't maybe, think we want to see any team outside of Immortals or TSM at Worlds, and even that's kind of a stretch. Yeah, it's that's where we are, man. Uh, we got to find some smart money here. I mean, I don't think either of us are convinced that CLG is that much better than Liquid, so I don't want to take any of the minus odds on that map. What's uh, what's what's five games for that? Uh, plus one sixty-five. Smart money. Yeah. Uh. I think the plus four and a half maps uh, at plus 165 is the safest thing you're going to do because uh, I have no idea who's going to win this series. I have no idea which version of these teams are going to show up. We have seen both of these teams look really good at moments. We have seen both of these teams look really bad at moments. Both so, of these teams losing to Apex last week tells me everything here, I need to know about how good these guys are on a consistent here, Here's game. one final thing. I think... I think CLG win this series. Um, not just because they're favorites, not just because they've been playing better, but let's not forget the, the crazy semifinals that these two teams had last last spring mm -hmm. was in part because of Piglet. Yes. Was in part because Piglet, on during one of the games, was able to just hard carry Team Liquid to a victory. Yeah. I'm not sure Team Liquid has that in them. The other thing, though, is that CLG is playing with a much worse Darshan. Darshan has definitely stepped down immensely from where he was in that semifinal game. So that's why it still stays close. But I think CLG still has that advantage just because Team Liquid, like you said, doesn't have a closer. 
And and I, that's I don't even think Phoenix is really their closer. I think Phoenix I, is a very good mid laner, but he's I don't think he's their closer. He's not the guy that if I'm looking if I'm looking at all, you know all the players in the league and I'm like, all right, I need somebody to win me a game five. I don't look at Phoenix and go, Phoenix is the kind of guy that's going to go in there, is going to you know throw the team on his back, and is going to give me a a you know for the ages performance to win me game five. I don't see a Jordan flu game coming out of Phoenix ever. No, that's, he's consistently going to be very good. Where whereas. On on CLG, I can see it coming from Aphromoo. Yeah, I can see it coming from Darshan if he can get get back on track because he's done it before, and I can see it coming from Hu- Hui, and that's the scary thing, is because Hui has proven the last few weeks that yeah he he is not worse than Keen anymore, folks. As much as you know, we made those jokes early on. He's definitely rounded into his stride at the right time, so. Yeah, I again for me, I don't trust Lokodoko in this situation nearly as much as I trust Zix. The thing about CLG that has always gotten them there, even when they were down in the dumps and they were looking at a potential relegation spot for a certain few weeks of that split with just a terrible start, they have a system. They have a coach who has instilled in these guys that they all have a role that they all follow the role and they all know what their job in the team is i trust him to look at the you know the film and really make those adjustments i just don't have that faith in liquid and that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is i don't trust the staff i don't trust dardock to get his mentality the way it needs to be and i certainly don't trust fabby to be what they had in piglet and you know, I'm I'm sorry, Liquid fans. I know that's not fun, um, and maybe they proved me wrong. I hope they do. I hope both of these teams prove me wrong. I would love nothing more than a five-game slugfest where both of these teams step up in a big way. We just saw a lot of flaws exposed last week, and when Apex can expose your flaws, you better believe TSM will destroy those flaws. So. That's where we're left on these quarterfinals. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, you will probably enjoy all the other wonderful content that's on SlingshotEsports.com. There are proud presenting sponsors, tons of content coming on all the time. Right now, we are heavily in the international Dota 2 tournament. So many things going on. And if you're anything like me, I don't really follow Dota 2 all that much. I've gone all in on League of Legends. So the content there has been so helpful in making sure that I actually understand the storylines at play. Uh, you're still getting all your great interviews from Andrew Kim and the LCK. You're still getting tons of great articles week after week. There might be one coming for me soon. I, I've turned in the final draft. Hopefully it, it finds its way to the publishing table So, because I'd, I'd love for you guys to see it. Um, but there's just a lot of great content there, and you guys should definitely check that out. If you like the podcast in particular, you should check us out at soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on iTunes. If you search for rough drafts, you'll find our podcast there. If you subscribe, you follow, maybe even leave a little bit of a review. All of these really help us out. And it does mean a lot. We really appreciate when you guys do that. Um, you can also follow us on social media. We have a Facebook page. We very rarely talk about it. We'd love to get some discussion going on there. Reddit has proven to be a little bit fickle in terms of, when we get seen and when we don't, we have one reliable Redditor, 
Tom Shoes Zero Two. I want to give him a shout out. He comments on every single podcast we do. Tom Shoes So Two, if you're out there, I appreciate you. But for the rest of you guys, I would love to hear what you have to say on our Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash rough drafts pod. Uh, would be, you know, I'd love to make that a thing. And you could also follow us individually. I am at Redshirt King on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? I am at C80s underscore LOL. And I do want to give a shout out. Like you say, you know, the Dota International Tournament is going on right now. It's fun to watch, guys. It actually really is. Um, it, it has some really amazing plays in its history that have held my attention that I don't watch Dota at all, at all outside of that. Um, but when the international is on, this is the premier esports tournament, in my opinion. This is the best esports tournament, in my opinion. But I do want to shout out to uh, Cameron Reagan, who is covering uh, Dota for Slingshot Esports. He's in Seattle right now, Key Arena. He's at DAS Turbo. So go give him a follow. If you guys are interested in keeping up with some of the content that's coming out of there, uh, but yeah, that's all. That's all for me. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, tune in tomorrow. We'll be talking about Europe. Hopefully, we'll know who H2K's AD Carry is by that point. So until then, goodbye, internet. <laughs>